0: Good day to you. Thanks. That is awesome. (laughs) I'm just going to assume at all the other campuses, everyone did a roaring uh, good day to you. Um, Greetings to my friends uh, in in 33rd Street Jail. Um, We're sorry that we couldn't be in uh, last week, but with the weather, uh, it just wasn't a possibility, um, and I know, especially on the guys' side this week, I think there's been uh, some moving around and all of that, so uh, for our regulars, it's really uh, it's really great to be with you. Um, for newcomers, I look forward uh, to meeting you in person uh, in the weeks ahead and, and in the women's service. I know that you're in our hearts and prayers uh, always, and you're in good hands uh, with our leaders who are in there uh, today. Greetings uh, to Lake Mary. Um, Macon, if you're there, uh, I'm going to talk about you today, and I forgot to ask your permission, uh, so... I hope, it, I hope it works out all right. Uh, and uh, and of course, uh, Waterford, so good uh, to be with you as well, and I look forward uh, to being there in person. Actually, I snuck in last week when we had partnership classes. Awesome. All right. So uh, you heard about our vision uh, at the beginning of the service, the vision uh, that has driven us and, and shaped how we, uh, how we live as a church uh, over the last uh, 17 years. Happy birthday uh, to us, by the way. It really is a weird birthday, right? It's just like... We're, yeah, we're just waiting uh, to be adults and uh, and feeling like we ought to be. But whatever it might be, um, happy birthday to us. I, it has been a privilege uh, to be a part of Summit uh, since the beginning. And, uh, and and for Brandy and I both, um, it has been uh, one of the biggest uh, parts of our life, one of the biggest features uh, in our life, uh, one of the biggest joys uh, in our life to be a part of this church family. And to see the ways that God has allowed us uh, as a church uh, to live out uh, the vision that he's given us in, uh, in every season that, uh, that, that we've been in as a church. You may not know this, although if you go to uh, to one of the upcoming partnership classes, you will. Uh, our vision is rooted in uh, in, in two texts uh, in in the Gospel of Matthew: the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. You'll find it on your bulletin uh, if you uh, if you want to read them. Uh, the Great Commandment is uh, is called such uh, because Jesus was was uh, teaching, and he gets a question from the crowd. You know, someone raises. Uh, their hand, uh, and uh, and says, what you know, tell us, tell us the most important of the law. Like, we've got all this law, we've got all the things that uh, that we've been told to do, and then all the things that like God told us to do, and then all the things that uh, the prophets have told us to do, and, and what's, what's the preeminent uh, essence of, of the law? What's the distillation of, of, of God's law for his people? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus said, when it comes down to it, what God wants for you is to love him fully. And next to that, he wants you to love your neighbor as yourself, to be a conduit of, uh, of God's love uh, to the world. He talks about it later uh, in, uh, in, in the Great Commission, the, the, the passage uh, that, uh, that gives us insight into Jesus' final words with his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And so this is a pivotal moment. I mean, Jesus has, has lived his whole life. Uh, he has discipled his disciples. He taught them, trained them, lived a life with them. They got to see him, uh, see him work miracles. They, they, they saw him uh, conquer death and sin um, on the cross and saw him raised to new life. Jesus did everything, and then he's about to go back uh, to, to his father, and he says, because I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, because I, because I have done this, I've defeated sin and death, here's what you should do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, so this idea of loving God first and then, uh, and then teaching others to do the same, that's the essence the roots of our of our vision um, as a church, and I'm so excited uh, about our church and about where we're going, and and all that has happened. I missed out on three months of it, uh, and uh, if you don't know, um, the uh, the Parker family um, was on sabbatical uh, from uh, from basically May uh, to August, and uh, and this is something that. Uh, that I've been working on um, and working towards uh, for a while. There's a time, of course, when maybe I needed sabbatical just for the for, just for the sake of rest. Uh, but I knew I wasn't mature enough uh, to handle it. I knew I'd just like completely frivolously waste the time in Netflix or whatever else. Uh, and uh, it, but a couple of years ago, I really started feeling like I need to make sure as we lead into this next season, I mean, so again, we're, great things are happening in our church and we've got such a great team, um, and I need to make sure that I'm, that I'm ready um, for, the, for this next season of ministry, that I'm ready um, to lead in the way that God wants, wants me to lead and to, and to serve in the way that God wants me to serve. So it felt like it was time, I've been working on this uh, for a while and, uh, and, and had put a lot of thought and a lot of prayer and a lot of work uh, into preparation for this really precious once in a lifetime, uh, three month experience my priorities in this were fourfold uh, time uh, with family that was a big deal I mean I love my family and uh, we live uh, as I'm sure you do like very full and very busy lives and it is easy uh, to coexist um, and uh, not really uh, have have time together so I wanted I wanted that I wanted time in nature I just like I, I get rest and restoration and connection with God um, when I, when, I, when I'm in his creation so I wanted to make sure that was a feature um, I always uh, I always get my passion uh, for uh, for what's at stake uh, in, in this world, and in, the, in, the, in what the world yearns for in terms of hope, uh, when when I get to be uh, alongside um, poor and vulnerable in our world, and so uh, Jesus, you know, says they're close to his heart. He he associates so closely with them that when we that when we serve them, when we love people who are poor and vulnerable, he takes it as a personal gift uh, to himself. And so if they matter, if people who are poor and vulnerable matter that much to God, I want to be as close to them. Uh, as I can, and then I wanted to spend time uh, in, in and with uh, churches from other cultures, because for me, we, you know, when, I'm in, when I'm in my lane, and this may be, be true for all of us in any aspect of life, but when I'm in my lane, and, and, and my lane is, is Summit Church, it is easy um, to let the boundaries of what the church is up to, let the boundaries of who God is and what he's up to in the world shrink uh, to the size of my, of my reality, of my everyday um, reality. And when I step out of that, when I see the church in exciting and different and unique places, and when I when I get to experience uh, cultures that are completely other, and see that the church is thriving there, not only does my view of church uh, get gets get bigger, but I also am reminded how big our God is. So over the course of the three months. Uh, I, had, I was able to have uh, experiences in, in all of those things. And, and today I want to share uh, with you um, some of what I learned along the way and some of those experiences. Uh, so for the next three and a half hours, I'm going to show you 8,000 pictures uh, from our trip. I'm just kidding. No, there's, uh, it was very hard to narrow down uh, the ones that, that, that I think um, tell the story of our sabbatical season and lead us into um, where, we're, uh, where we're going uh, with this year's Vision Sunday service. All right, so my first experience on this trip was awesome. I got to go to Columbia uh, with Macon Heron and a couple other uh, summit friends um, who, we, who we bumped into uh, down in Columbia and, uh, and visit some of the indigenous people groups there that, that, that folks like Macon and his peers um, have been working with the plant churches uh, for decades. And, uh, and the, the woman pictured uh, here was actually, um, she was, uh, she was M- Macon and his team uh, we actually part of first contact uh, with them. They were very isolated jungle uh, indigenous people group, and uh, and they were able to make first contact with them. This this particular group has had a very very um, hard last 30 years, and uh, between getting pushed out of their uh, out of their native lands uh, by by FARC militants, and then. Uh, and then being disparaged in the, you know, by the general population, but also being protected constitutionally. Like it's just they're in a really weird place. Um, and those who have, who have, uh, who have stuck it out and served with them, decade after decade, um, have 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 earned a level of trust with them that is awesome. But it was so cool uh, to to be able to um, to meet these folks because, uh, and, and to and to see this living history uh, with my friend Macon, Because when when I was young and God was calling me into ministry, the backdrop. For my call into ministry, uh, was reading about people who were reaching unreached people groups, and so to be able to go and like s- see these reunions uh, happen was just—it was a gift. Uh, it was a gift for me, and it was awesome. And I thoroughly, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, so they also let me go and just kind of have a normal day uh, with them, and they still, though they live on the peripheral of the jungle, their life is still deeply uh, connected to the jungle. This uh, this girl here, she's 16 years old. Um, she's married. Uh, she's carrying her first baby. Uh, who she delivered uh, the week previous. Uh, and she is walking uh, through territory that like I have to work myself up to to go on my annual Python hunt. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to go in the swamp. This is Tuesday for them. Uh, and, uh, and it was awesome. She's way more manly uh, than I am in, in all the best ways. Um, after Columbia, I got to go uh, sailing with uh, my two really good friends. Uh, Andy Simons, pictured here, looking quizzically at the water uh, that didn't have any fish. Uh, and John Drake, uh, whose uh, whose boat we we pirated, and, uh, and it was awesome. You can imagine three introverts on a boat for four days. I'm sure there can be uh, lots of jokes uh, about that. There were very few words. Uh, there are very few words said. Okay, the the centerpiece of our trip, and, and we're going somewhere with this other than just like tour of John's photos. The centerpiece of the trip was uh, was time that we got to spend. Uh, as a family in uh, in Ethiopia and Kenya, our kids are Ethiopian, and so uh, to be able to take them uh, to their culture of origin and spend time learning and loving uh, the place and the people they're from uh, was a gift uh, for for our whole family, and we uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Ethiopia is uh, incredibly rich uh, in church history, as well as some of the oldest churches uh, in the world are are found uh, in in the north of Ethiopia. Uh, in an area in particular called Lalabella. Um, and, and this is one of the churches. There are, there are I think, 11 churches uh, that are carved out of stone. So the church that you see there um, is one solid piece of rock uh, that is carved uh, in, down into the top uh, of, uh, of the mountain there. It's about 800 years old. Um, and, and the churches there are still active places of worship, so they're not just historical sites, but they're places that people go every day um, out of uh, out of uh, out of devotion um, to to the church and to their calling in life. Uh, there's Brandy looking uh, radiant uh, and, uh, and wearing proper garb uh, for going in one of the churches. Um, this church here is in a cave. Uh, you can't tell in the photo. That's in a cave. It's about a thousand years old. Um, it was just amazing uh, to be able to see um, this living history and to participate uh, a bit. In it, we also um, got to go to Kenya after um, after Ethiopia. So we spent a month in Ethiopia connecting with our with our kids, people, and places. Uh, and then we went to uh, to Kenya for fun. You may recognize on the left there, Josiah and Sarah. They were here uh, in the fall of last year, and they're just like the best people. Uh, and we got to uh, end our time in Africa uh, with them uh, out in their uh, out in their village where they live and serve, and and uh, where Josiah grew up. Uh, as a young man, and uh, and it was it was awesome. Uh, we 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 loved them. we loved uh, we loved the rest. We loved that you could just kind of walk around and see zebras and Will-a-Beast I and mean, all of that. And then uh, we concluded the sabbatical season. Uh, Brandy and I uh, went out west. we We ditched our kids, uh, left some food on the floor, and took off. I'm just kidding, they were stayed with their cousins. they could, didn't miss us a bit. Uh, but we we went out west and we and we took a tour of of national parks and really just had two weeks uh, to um to talk about us, to talk about life, to talk about the next season, um to 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 have all the conversation that that you wish you could have, uh, but don't always have the opportunity to have. It was a wonderful uh, it was a wonderful experience. And for me, it was a gift uh, to be able to experience nature uh, through Brandy's eyes because, though we both uh, saw, I mean, we felt like we were fully saturated with the beauty of God's creation by the end of the two weeks. We saw so many things. My response is to be like, huh. And she's like, you need to tell everyone you know to come and see this. This is amazing. And, like, she expressed out loud uh, what, I, what I was expressing inside. And so it was really great to have her verbalize what a new normal people feel uh, when, they see, uh, when they see something um, totally awe-inspiring. All right, so we had this, this three-month experience of a rich experience uh, as a family rich experience in, in terms of, of, of culture and, and, and nature and, and, and connection and church and all of that and I want to share with you uh, today some of the things uh, that, that I learned um, through that experience. First I learned uh, I, I was reminded um, that my family is wonderful. I already know they're wonderful but again you live uh, you live life uh, you know at a million miles an hour it's you know it, it's hard sometimes to slow down truly appreciate time together. Now, I will say this. I'm no fool, and I knew that, uh, that traveling uh, for six weeks uh, with six kids, five of whom are teenagers, uh, might be a stretch. And I did have the question, like, are we going to like each other after this? Uh, I mean, is this going to be like, you know, Family vacation uh, material, or is it going to be a wonderful and cherished experience? And our kids did great. Brandy did great. I think I did all right. We really, really um, loved our time together. Uh, this was uh, this was the kids uh, kind of goofing around after uh, a long and emotional um, two days, and they're uh, they're on a stairway at, at the top of the hotel um, they were staying at, in between one place and another, um, goofing around in La La Ashalu, our youngest, uh, figuring out what to do with uh, extensions when the girls are, are fixing up their hair, um, and uh, and the opportunity to have all of the like personal one-on-one interactions and, and times that, that, that we cherished. It was a gift um, for our family this summer. So, I, so God reminded me um, how, what a gift uh, my family is to me, and, and hopefully I'm a gift uh, to them. I was reminded uh, of how beautiful and awe-inspiring um, God's creation is, um, just it was, we, like I said, we, I felt like we were fully saturated um, with, with the beauty of his creation and um, all of that. And it was a gift um, for us um, to be able to experience um, all of that. If you ever get a chance, uh, go to Mount Rainier. Uh, it's amazing. And then I was reminded uh, that the God's church is uh, is just the most inspiring thing. I mean, I got to see the church in all different kinds of forms, from like, new, barely started church. I, one of the people groups that I got to meet with, the, 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 the people group I showed you before, they're called, uh, they're the Newcock, I also got to meet uh, the Pia Poco folks, uh, who, who this gentleman is a member of. I got to meet another group uh, where they just had their first uh, follower of Jesus, the seed uh, of the future church. It was awesome to see that and, and see the spectrum uh, to churches that are thriving here and now and doing amazing work in churches that uh, that are beyond you know beyond my ability to imagine how ancient and well-established and grounded um, they are. This gentleman here, like I said, is part of a, a, a group called the Pia Poco. Um, he's about 80 years old uh, and is an elder in their church, was one of the very first uh, believers in their people group. And I got to sit and, uh, and talk with him and hear uh, that his heart is still soft uh, towards the things that God cares about. He still cares about the gospel. Coming alive in his church, and he got to tell me the origin story—not just of, of their individual church, but of the church in this people group, and the transformation that they've gone through, and and, uh, and the and the people who brought in. It. It's actually there's this woman uh, who's who's passed away now. Her name was Sophie. She was like a five foot nothing, knew nothing, uh, but wanted to go and reach the people who are who are fur- furthest from. Uh, from, uh, from civilization and all of that. And so she, through great trial and tribulation, ends up in the middle of the jungle after they try to poison her a bunch of times they can't kill her. Uh, they're like, okay, well, I guess you have the word of God because we can't kill you. And so they spread the word and she spread the gospel and, uh, and, and he was one of the first people um, to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and that was such a cool thing um, to meet him. The other thing that really uh, profoundly impacted us uh, was this history, this rich history in devotion uh, in the Ethiopian church. The priest you see there um, is holding a manuscript that I think it's an original manuscript, 500 years old, uh, written in a language that no one speaks anymore. Uh, and, uh, but, but just this sense that, uh, that the church has been alive and active um, for hundreds of years. We felt like we were, we were, we were walking uh, in living history and it was an incredible thing uh, to see. To see that these places were not just historical sites, about places that people still go to in active devotion. It was a privilege uh, to be a part of that. It was a privilege uh, to be not only with Josiah and Sarah, but to go uh, to church with them as well. I've gotten to see uh, where this church started uh, under a tree. Uh, It it moved uh, to more or less a shed. I've gotten to see this building uh, from its foundation uh, be built, but I've never gotten to attend uh, a worship service there. And so to be able to go and and attend a worship service was an awesome uh, experience. Um, I also learned uh, that uh, their communion elements, I think the wine was like a homebrew whiskey. Uh, it was the closest thing they could come to that. It was shocking for our kids uh, and, and quite quite memorable. In all of that, there's this moment uh, that, that I had um, that, that I was in the middle of, of this rich experience and I was, I was appreciating and loving the church. I, mean, I was loving the experience I had in Columbia where in Ethiopia uh, at this point I was going to a church that I'd happened to have, have read a book that kind of explained the history of this church to me and then unbeknownst to me showed up at this church Uh, For worship, and so I knew the history of this church, and I was loving and appreciating that. I knew that we were going to be going to see some of the oldest churches in the world, and I I was and I was loving Summit. I mean, I love our church, I love all that we get to be a part of, and all that we do. I love our worship, and oftentimes I'm reminded of that uh, in uh, when I visit other churches. I was just I was all caught up in this love for the church, and God, who doesn't speak often uh, to me in like very very clear ways, communicated to me the following. And make sure that you love me more than you love the church. Make sure that you love me more than you love the church. Now, that's kind of obvious, right? I mean, we just talked about the, the, the great commandment, like love the Lord your God with your whole being. Like, but God, at least in my experience, uh, isn't in the habit of, of stating the obvious uh, to me. Like if he says something to me, I need to hear it. Um, he doesn't say, John, you need a haircut. We all know I need a haircut, he doesn't need to say that, but there was something that I needed to hear from God in that. Because while it was obvious, there was something that was at risk. Maybe something I'd forgotten. Like I said, I don't hear uh, directly uh, from God a lot. Like some people, they they hear from God like about what breakfast cereal they should wear or uh, eat or wear uh, if they're having a really crazy breakfast. What socks they should wear. Whatever it might be. God, God has has been clear with me. I um, at point at intersections in my life where I needed to hear from him maybe half a dozen times. And so when God speaks clearly to me, I listen. Now to be clear, he didn't say love the church less. Not at all. I mean, he loves the church. He talks about the church as if it were his cherished bride. He, didn't, he wasn't saying love the church less. But he was, he was showing me that in my love for the church, I was at risk of making that the thing and not my love for him. There's a risk there for me to see the church as the main object of my, of my Christian affection um, and not the God who made the church, not the God who made me. And like I said, there's a lot to love in our church. I mean, coming back uh, from the sabbatical and hearing uh, that, that nearly 300 people are part of care communities that are supporting foster families, hearing all of the activity that's happening Um, locally in our connection with schools uh, the flurry of teams that went and engaged in our global partnerships the the bajillions of kids who come every week and and learn about how much God loves them the opportunity we have every week to to engage in our in our next right step in following Jesus like there's a lot to love about our church and Jesus showed me that I need to make sure I'm guarding my heart that I'm not loving the thing rather than the source And so I took those words, uh, and and, and believing God had something he wanted me to learn in that, I I, I began to to hold those words in my mind and in my heart as I experienced the church, as I reflected back on the church experience in in Colombia, as I looked forward uh, to the church experience in Ethiopia. In a little bit, I realized that the church can never be everything it ought to be, if the church has the first position in our hearts. It is only when God holds first position in our hearts, it's only when we love him fully, where he has it all, our full selves, that the church gets close to being what God intended. Shy of that, the church is an entity, an organization that does good. The vision, the mission, the gospel gets cluttered up. We are at risk for that, in every church that has ever existed, is at risk of making the church the thing rather than a love for God. It was interesting as I talked to this gentleman uh, in, uh, in in Colombia. Um, he's, you know, he's. He's in a season of, of, of kind of legacy and, and seeing leadership uh, come alive. He still has great hope for the church. And I asked him, you know, what's the biggest challenge the church faces? You're, you know, the church functionally uh, is, you know, is about four decades in. What's the biggest challenge? And he said, you know, the biggest challenge that we face uh, is uh, it goes right back to our beginnings as a church. Sophie, this woman who's revered uh, by everyone, when, when she brought the gospel and they said, now what? You know, she was a bit surprised by that, and, and she's like, "Well, you do this, and you do this, and you do this," and she gave them everything that her church experience had been. When someone gets married, you say these things. When someone dies, you do these things. Uh, when when uh, when you pray, you you know you 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 sit like this, and, and gave them all the things uh, of, of the church, um, and over time. Over time, the attention, the affection, the devotion, the the, the expression of the church um, has been more rooted in in what she gave them as the the structure of the church, and the gospel is at risk. And so for this man uh, who's seen the church in its entirety, for the entirety of his life, his prayer was that that the church would understand the gospel, that the church would know how much they're loved and and love God in return. Taking that and looking uh, at our experience in Ethiopia and deeply appreciating the devotion uh, of the people of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. But as we were saturated in this experience over the, over the course of a few days, we saw that, that, that the devotion, this rich cultural devotion that they have is at risk because the devotion ha- has become in many ways largely rooted in the church. Here, this crowd of people is pushing in, trying to get through uh, this curtain. They actually weren't allowed through. uh, You know, there's kind of priests uh, holding them back. Um, But a lot of the churches have like a a, a holy of holies, a place uh, that that only the priests can go. Our tour guide uh, was, I guess, really good. I guess he got us in there. Um, and, And this is what we saw. And these stone bowls, so we're in a a cave church. Um, This crowd is pressing in. All of them are trying to get the contents uh, of these stone bowls, which have sat there for 600 years. For 600 years, they've been collecting the steady uh, drip of water from the roof of the cave. And and this water is seen as holy water. And people line up and they fight each other uh, in line because it shows how devoted they are um, to try to get a few drops of this water. Because they're told it has hope and healing for them. And while there's beauty in their devotion, there is sadness in the object of their devotion. Because the thing, the church, the structure, the thing that they were offered was regular. It was cave water. And what they needed was living water. And there's a sense of loss. Where's the gospel when people line up to get drippings from a cave and, 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 and they don't get to hear that living water is readily available to them? A church a few decades old, a church several hundred years old, the challenge is the same. The church can become the thing and the gospel can get lost. And so what do we take from that? What do I glean from that? A reminder for us that as we move boldly and courageously into the future that God has for us, as we continue to live out his vision for his church, we need to make sure that what we're giving the world what we're giving ourselves isn't the, the form, the function, the organization, the entity of the church, but the living gospel, the person of Jesus Christ, the invitation to deep, rich, loving relationship with our creator. When I was caught in, in, in love with all the things of the church, God reminded me he still wants first position. He wants me to love the church. He wants you to love the church. But he wants First position. So, what does it look like to love God? Right, that's a good question. Love can be uh, can be such a, a, a mushy, ambiguous uh, word. So, what does it look like to love God? I also considered that uh, over the course of the sabbatical as I looked at what what is God telling me about not just the church but love for Him. What does love for Him look like? I want to quickly share um, a, a little bit of what I mused upon over the course of sabbatical. Loving God looks like more than simply loving what he's done for us, but doing all for him and for his glory. We can love what God has done for us, and we should. I mean, he has done a lot for us. He has offered us eternal salvation. He's rescued us from the consequences of sin and death, uh, and, and that's just what he's done for everyone. There's things he's done personally for me that I'm so grateful for. God has done a lot, and I love the things that he's done for me, but that's not the full picture of what it looks like to love God. There can be a very selfish love of the things that we receive from our God. What he wants for us is not just appreciation for that, but a reciprocal relationship, a willingness to do all for him and his glory. Love for God looks like knowing him as much as we can handle. And that's probably not much, at least for me, but as much as I can handle. Am I willing to know him? Am I willing to seek him out, to thirst for him? As the Psalms say. Loving God looks like trusting him. Trusting in his goodness, trusting in his character, trusting in his power, even when we don't like what he's doing or not doing. One of those times where, where, where I heard from God what I needed to hear was at a point where, where I was at the end of myself in, in, in prayer and, and, uh, and, and pleading before God that he would heal one of Brandy and my friends. She'd been gravely injured in an accident and, and it didn't look like she was gonna get better. And we were I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And at the end of that, when I I couldn't figure out what more to pray, the question that God asked me is, are you willing to trust me even if you don't understand what I'm up to? And the answer was yes. But it's not always an easy answer to come by, especially when trusting him looks a lot like vulnerability in our own lives. Trusting or loving him uh, looks like surrendering to him all that we are without reserve, all we know of us towards all we know of him. Now, this can be a really hard one. I mean, we, we can be like, I love God with, uh, with, with my time and my tithe and this, that, and the other thing, but, but I would venture to say most of us, myself included, have areas in our lives where we're, where we're kind of in the not yet category. We know we should, and maybe we will one day, and and, uh, and, and, and we haven't yet, and I would just say, loving God looks like giving, surrendering to him Everything, Because if we trust him, if we love him and trust him, we, we can know that whatever we give him, he has better for us. Whatever he asks of us, he has better for us. So giving to him all that we are, to be loved and transformed by his power. And then when we do that, when we love him first with our whole being, our lives change, and our lives change in a way that is credible to the world around us. We live in a world that is desperate for hope. They want living water and they don't know where to look. And if we're not full up with living water, how are they gonna see it in our lives? If we don't love God fully, then maybe what we invite people into is, is the expression of the church, but not the heart of our creator. But if our lives are changed and they're changing in a way that is credible to the world, it looks like beauty, it looks like hope. And as a church, we live into our true potential. That vision that we talk about that's worded in plain Jane ways, uh, but is the most exciting and incredible thing that's happening in this world, that vision gets more fully realized in our lives. And as that happens, the world gets to see that God loves them, and they get to see that transformation is possible, and they get to find the hope that they're looking for. So this Vision Sunday, like we, we got so much going on. It is awesome. Keep doing it. If you're, if you're engaging in, in any way of living out the vision, keep doing that. But my question for you, this Vision Sunday, is do you love God with your whole being? Do you love God with your whole being? If last year's vision Sunday was a gut check, was a, was a moment to say, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to step boldly and courageously and humbly uh, in, 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 into the future that God has for us? If last year was a gut check, this year is a heart check. Are we willing to give God our whole selves? Are we loving him first above all else? Does he hold first position in our hearts? The good news is that God meets us where we're at. Though it was a bit embarrassing that what I needed to hear, like here, you know, lead pastor Summit Church goes away on sabbatical and hears God wants you to love him. Like, God was gracious enough to meet me at the point of my need and to remind me that he can still transform my heart. Wherever you're at in that, as you honestly consider where you're at with loving God, he'll meet you where you are. Ask God to reveal to you your loyalties. Confess the things, even the good ones, that compete for your love and loyalty, that compete for first position in your heart. Take steps towards loving God with your whole self. Seek to know him better, actively trust him, surrender to his will and his transforming power in your life. If we do that, if I do that, if you do that, we'll have living water to offer the world. will look beautiful to the world that is desperately looking for hope. So let's keep charging ahead, let's keep doing all the things, but let's never ever forget that love for God is what gives power to the church. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are grateful um, to you. We're grateful for the life that you offer us, we're grateful that you give us living water. We acknowledge that we can only, even with our whole selves, love you just a fraction of what you deserve. But we pray that you give us the courage to do that and teach us how. Show me and show every person listening to this. Where it is that, 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 um, that our heart's loyalties are divided where it is that we are settling for less and offering less to the world around us. Help us be the church that you've made us to be by loving you first and loving you best. We pray this all in your holy and precious name. Amen.